Welcome back to the Carnivore Yogi Podcast. Today, I have a special episode with my friend and returning guest, Steve Wright, all about hair loss and the gut. Now, hair loss is definitely a hot topic. In fact, this past week, I did a post on hair loss on my Instagram, and honestly, the response was overwhelming. I got a lot of DMs. I got a lot of comments from people that have really been struggling with hair loss. And so I was really excited to do this live stream on YouTube with Steve this past week and really dive into this topic about how the gut is related to hair loss. So you guys know I'm always searching for answers, wanting to help people beyond just going and getting medication from a doctor because that is a that is something you can do. I don't know how much it's going to help hair loss if there are true, true deficiencies happening and true issues with your gut just to take a pill. I, I can imagine not much, but that's really why I do this show is because I always want to provide you guys with extra resources, other places to look than what you're going to be told by your standard healthcare practitioner. So I hope that you guys enjoy this chat with Steve. There are products that we talk about. The discount codes are linked in the information section. Those discount codes are good through the end of February, February 28th of 2022, if you're listening to this after the release date of the 20th of February. And then there's some just links in case you're listening to this after the fact. But I hope that you guys enjoy the show and please head on over to Apple if you get a chance. Leave me up to a five-star review if this information helps you. Take a screenshot, tag me on social media, share it with a friend or family member, text it to a couple people that you think could be helped. And I hope you enjoy the show. I'll talk to you again soon. All right, and we are live. Thank you guys for showing up today to the live stream with my friend, Steve Wright. Steve, thank you for being here today. It's so exciting to talk about this topic. Yeah, Sarah, thanks for setting this up. Yeah, and for those of you who are not familiar with Steve, we have, there's a playlist linked in the information section. We've talked about a ton of different topics as they relate to gut health, um, which is just something, even though a lot of my my people that follow me go on really a strict elimination diet, they still suffer with gut health. And so I've, Steve and I have been friends about a year now. It's crazy. And uh, we're really just trying to help people do that last little thing to get their gut in a good place. And uh, one topic we have not covered is hair loss. So um, I saw an email that you put out, it's probably about a month ago, about the gut hair connection and how it's related to hair loss. And I would love it if you could explain that a little bit to my audience. What is this gut hair connection? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think it's, it's really important to start with just framing this correctly, which is that, you know, I, I believe that our bodies are always trying to keep us alive, keep us healthy, keep us looking good, moving good, uh, feeling good, all those things. It's always with the inputs that it's, you know, the environment that it's in, it's trying to do its best. And so some of the things that we highly value in, in our culture right now, like hair and skin and nails, mm-hmm. um, you know, from an evolutionary biology perspective are technically more like sexual symbols, uh, symbols mm-hmm. of health and sexual like, uh, attraction symbols. They're not necessarily, you know, bald people can be very healthy and they can live a really long time and they can move really fast. Like it, you know, hair doesn't necessarily mean healthy. Like, I mean, you can survive without it. And so I think that's really important because the first step to thinking through this topic is if you're, hair is thinning or if it's falling out to me that's that's a really great sign for your body your body's speaking to you like hey the conditions are not right for us to be as sexy as athletic and healthy as as you want us to be and i would like us to be Mm -hmm. and so then the question that we'll dive into here is what are all those inputs and how do we kind of reset the body's balance such that it has extra has extra minerals, has extra proteins, extra amino acids, such that hair growth and hair, like great thick hair is now achievable again. And, Mm -hmm. and like able for the body to spend time and precious research on, on building. Um, and so I, I look at, at, at hair like that as an inside job, as something that, uh, is highly tied to the gut and highly tied to your overall 
your overall health status, if you will. Yeah, that's a really good way to look at it. And, you know, I feel like that's one of the first things that starts happening when people are nutrient or mineral deficient is they start losing hair. And um, that really starts in the gut, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, if you look through, you know, if you look through the internet, if you look through the research journals, if you look through what it takes to grow hair, uh, you need several things. The first thing is amino acids. You have mm -hmm. to have extra amino acids and some B vitamins, including uh, like biotin is not necessarily a B vitamin, but it kind of is. Um, so you need these sort of extra B vitamins and extra amino acids, extra minerals, magnesium, copper, zinc, um, iron. You need these, these extra things for the body to, to use. Um, and then the right hormone scenario. Uh, hair growth is really highly regulated both by the availability of building blocks for hair, but also by the hormone conditions in the body. And so let's start first with, I mean, you can have all the right hormone conditions and all the right triggers on, but if you don't have the amino acids, you're not going to have much hair. And so mm -hmm. let's start there. It's, um, most people know about amino acids, um, maybe not everybody. And so amino acids are what happen when you break protein down to like the smallest sizes that are absorbed through the small intestine. And so conceptually what that actually looks like is more this like highly chaotic um, scenario where protein is kind of like this, like balls, these, these balls, they're all like 3d images of protein structures. And if you just think about a steak, you know, like, like just look at it before you eat it next time. It's like this crazy textures and all this marbling and fat, like, you got to keep breaking that down. And if you get to the 3d, um, microscope level, you'll see these like weird ball shapes and these structures. And so the stomach is primarily responsible for doing the heavy lifting on getting whatever you swallow down to a level where we can actually start to chop it down into amino acids. And so how I, how I like to like explain it and think about it is that when the protein leaves your stomach, it should be kind of opened up like your hand. And the amino acids are the various structures between all your fingers. And so enzymes cut like all the joints in your fingers. That would become like one amino acid, another amino acid, another amino acid. But that can't happen unless you open the ball up. And that's where mm -hmm. stomach acid comes into play. Um, ah. When your stomach acid drops below okay. like a two and a half down to a two or even below a two, it actually sets the conditions to number one. Uh, I found this crazy research study actually just yesterday about how um, if your bacteria um, or if your stomach acid doesn't drop below 2.5, you're not detoxifying the bacteria coming from your mouth. And so you have extra LPS going into your small intestine. And um, so if, if everybody knows about LPS, they're, they're highly toxic. You do not want them. Um, you want to detoxify them. And so stomach acid appears, and I don't yet know the mechanism, but it appears like really, really important to drop your stomach acid down to two or below because people at mm. two or below had almost no LPS activity, but people at 2.5 or higher had a lot more LPS activity. So you're killing the incoming bacteria, the LPS, and then you're, you're setting the conditions in that acid bath, the protein structures open up and then pepsin, which is the first protease enzyme starts to kind of cut it up and cut it open like this. Without that sequence, you are dropping food chunks into your small intestine that your small intestine can't really deal with, including all mm -hmm. those LPS that your immune system has to detoxify for you now. And so you can look at other uh, conditions such as Hashimoto's. A lot of people with Hashimoto's end up losing hair or having really yep. thin hair. And you can look at the, the experts in the books on what are the most common things to do for, for Hashimoto's. And one of the most common recommendations is boosting stomach acid and boosting, mm. boosting BTN HCL or using BTN HCL to boost it. Um, and, you know, Isabel, Dr. Isabel Wentz is a, a really mm -hmm. good friend of mine. And she talks about this all the time. Like, people with associated hair loss conditions often are having a stomach problem first. And so that's the first thing to address because even if you take holozymes or other enzymes from another company to, to finally break those protein structures down into amino acids, they're sort of just like gnawing at the outside of the protein structure and you probably get some absorption, 
but you're not right. getting full absorption. And that really sucks, especially if you're like carnivore and you're spending like, you know, 40 bucks a day on amazing ribeye or something. Um, <laughs> you know, it's kind yeah. of a, a waste. Yeah. And I mean, just eating meat, like that's what a lot of people say is eating enough protein is what's going to help you with the thick hair. And if you have the hair loss, but I actually do see a lot of people that eat a lot of meat and then they'll still have that hair loss. So you think the first place, I mean, it, even if they don't have like indigestion or bloating or anything that's like super obvious, do you think that the first place they would want to look would be stomach acid? Yeah. I mean, because it's, look, it's like a, a $50 or under $50, especially if you use like our coupons that we're going to give out today and, and the guarantees yeah. and stuff. This is like an, basically a no risk, um, temperature check to see if this is an issue for you. Even if you don't have digestive upset or things like that, um, studies show as we age, like 10 to 11% of us start to lose our, uh, our baseline acid state. So when you wake up in the morning, you should be around a two mm -hmm. on the pH scale. As you age, 10 to 11% of us start to lose that. Uh, it was previously reported in another study from like the 50s. It was like 60% of people. But I found a new study that was just completed about two years ago. And what they showed more interestingly is that the time that it takes to build acid up to food is almost double or longer as you age. So basically, they had healthy people and then people over 70. And they checked how long did it take for them to acidify their stomachs. And some of the elderly people were never able to produce acid for the food. And many of them, it took like 80 plus minutes versus healthy people in their 20s and 30s were doing it in like 30 minutes or no, 40 minutes. Mm. So it was about double. Um, and so you don't have to identify with, with, you know, burping or farting or bloating. You could just be, you know, having, having age-related stomach function loss. Not only that, but if you look into how do you get all those other minerals, zinc, copper, iron, mm -hmm. magnesium, all those minerals are bound up to your steak or your, your salmon or whatever it is that you're eating. They're bound in those protein structures, even biotin. I was looking at this right before the, the show to be prepared. I was like, wait a second. If somebody's eating carnivore, they wouldn't need a biotin supplement, right? And right. I was trying to figure out like, you know, like why, why would someone who's eating carnivore take a hair supplement that's full of biotin and see results. And I was like, Oh, it's because they're not liberating the biotin that's stuck to the protein molecules is what I found uh, in the research. Wow. And so if you're someone who's taking biotin and you're seeing results, I think that's another indication that your stomach and your enzyme function could be, uh, less strong, you know, less appropriate or less strong. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's, yeah, that's something that I'm glad you mentioned that because I do think that there are definitely mineral deficiencies involved um, in the whole thing. But if your gut is unable to extract those minerals, then that's what's going to go first is your hair. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think hair, you know, you'll see obviously fatigue, yeah, things like that, um, skin conditions, uh, flare up, things like that. Like, especially moisture related skin conditions can be really hard as you age and as you lose mineral, uh, content. So it's, it's, you know, people want to say like, well, I don't, I don't need supplements. And I, and there's like a, a large group of people who want to age without supplements or without drugs. And I was thinking about that for this show today too. And I, I mean, everything is shutting down, like starting in your thirties yeah. onward. Yeah your pancreas is shutting down, your ovaries are shutting down, your, your enzyme functions shutting down, your stomach's shutting, like everywhere we look, we're literally shutting down. So it's, it's almost the reverse. The more we age, probably the more pills we should take that that's with the caveat that you want to, I don't know, maximize your able years or maximize your, you know, your years. Um, and you don't want to age like the standard American ages. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, looking at these things as, um, you know, as you hit your 50s, 60s, 70s, for sure, looking at like, hey, I got to support my organs here. They're kind of on the decline at this point. And so I'd like to support those. And so hair is going to be one of those places, especially, and we should probably transition into what happens with, with women around perimenopause. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be perimenopause. It could be postpartum. It could be 
any, any actually. I have a lot state. of PCOS. I mean, it's just happening to women younger and younger that they have PCOS, that they, they're just the hormonal issues that I see women facing younger and younger these days is pretty astounding. And then, yeah, when you do get into perimenopause over the age of 35, even more and more issues start to pop up with the gut, with hair, all of these things. So yeah, I'd love to hear your, how the gut is kind of tied into all of those things. So I think a cool way to think about it would be like, uh, estrogen is kind of like, um, the gas pedal on your hair mm -hmm. and androgens, which are typically found to be high in PCOS, uh, are yep. kind of like the brake on your hair. Now, progesterone is also kind of on the gas pedal. If you lose too much progesterone, uh, you will basically stop, uh, progesterone blocks DHT formation basically. And so if you lose your progesterone, but you still have high estrogen, you can still be androgen dominant and lose, lose hair control. Mm -hmm. But, uh, think of like amino acids and zinc and copper and, and magnesium, all these things kind of like the components of the car and, and the hormones are kind of like the driver or the speed regulator on how fast and how long your hair grows. If you're androgen dominant due to PCOS or due to menopause, things like that, it literally means that your, your hair grows shorter and less time. Like there's less mm. capacity to grow it. And so having estrogen, uh, having estrogen on board in the right amounts balanced with progesterone, of course, it's not like we just want to have unregulated yeah. estrogen, no. um, but having the appropriate amount of estrogen, uh, is really, really impactful for, for hair growth. And so another thing to do is if you're someone who's struggling, and especially if you're under 40, is mm -hmm. get your hormones tested like yeah. right away. Um, you know, if you're really into this stuff and you want to dive in deep, do a blood panel and a, and a Dutch hormone Dutch. panel, Yeah. Um, you know, do them together so you can see what's happening. Uh, but cause here's the only thing, I don't know if you've seen this Sarah, but for, for what I've seen is that how you enter menopause, it's only going to get worse. It's almost like mm -hmm. you're going through the, the keyhole or something, and then it just amplifies so if you're yep. entering perimenopause with PCOS and messed up hormones and you haven't sorted that out, it's just going to go 2X, 4X, 5X, 10X, your symptoms. Yep. Yep. If you can enter menopause in a, in a regulated way, um, you're going to have a much easier transition. Uh, or, you know, you could just do bioidenticals and just skip that part as well. That's another thing we could dive into. But <laughs> um, <laughs> in general, that is like, if you, if you, you know, if you tried our supplements, you tried other people's supplements, you're like, my gut health is good. I've checked for low stomach acid. I don't have it. I've checked with digestive enzymes. They don't seem to do anything. To me, the next step is, is doing some detailed lab work on your hormones and working with a, a functional medicine or integrative medicine person who can help you kind of unravel what could be going on there. Yeah, I agree. So <clears throat> simple check to see how your stomach acid is working, right? You can get some HCL guard and all this stuff we talk about is linked in the information section. We've got um, coupon codes, but just get some HCL, test that out, see if you actually need it. If you don't need it, if it's not for you, you can send it back and get your money back. That's the great thing I like about working with you. And if that's not it, then perhaps check into your hormone levels, right? Yeah. I mean, I would throw holozymes, like throw digestive enzymes in there as well, because you mm. could have good stomach function, but have lost your pancreatic enzyme, either activation or release, um, or your brush border, um, processing. Yeah. Although for hair specifically and amino acids, it's mostly just the pancreatic enzymes that matter. Mm. So okay. I would try both HDL holozymes. If they work great. If not, let us know. We'll give you your money back. No big deal. And then go right to hormones. Yep. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm at the point with the HCL, I don't need it as often. I've, I think I've been able to get my stomach acid actually in a really good place, but I have noticed definitely the holozyme. Like if I don't have the enzymes, I just don't feel as well. My digestion just doesn't run as smoothly. And I was like that before. And it wasn't enough to make me just feel like, oh, you know, I feel terrible all the time, but now kind of like going off of them and going back on, it's just a really remarkable difference at how well my body is absorbing everything that I'm putting in it. And I'm finding that I'm 
taking less and less and less supplements. Um, cause I don't need, mm. I'm getting the nutrition that I need from my food. Um, cause my body is actually able to break down and extract those nutrients. So I'm not taking, I was, I just did a video. I think I was taking like 15 or 20 supplements at one point, And now I'm down to just a few really simple ones. Um, so that's I think awesome. that, yeah, I think that that's really important to understand that you're only as, you know, you're only going to feel as good as what you can actually absorb in your gut. Yeah. And actually your, your experience right now is, is highly relevant, especially to people who don't want to be on these things long-term or don't yeah. want to spend the money. Uh, one of my mentors, Dr. Jonathan Wright, he wrote a book on this that's sort of you know, kind of like one of the seminal stomach acid books out there is called um, Why Stomach Acid is Good for You. It's still a great read. Uh, he talks about it in the book and he's mentioned it in many other places around how a large majority of his patients that he would put on BTNHCL, it would take them six months, a mm -hmm. year, sometimes two years, and they would gradually either maybe they finally extracted all the zinc and magnesium and all the things you actually need to make stomach acid, because that's the other thing you need minerals to make stomach ah, acid. Okay. So maybe it's just because you replenish those minerals. Finally. Um, there's another theory that maybe you're retraining the stomach on how much concentration of acid to create. You're sort of like retraining the receptors. Like, Hey, we want to go to this strength and then relax, but either way. And it happened for me that most people, um, tend to go on it for, like I said, six to two years, mm -hmm. six months to two years, and then they're able to step off of it. And they seem yep. to be very able functioning after that, unless you get sick again, get highly mm -hmm. stressed again, um, you know, have a bit, you know, maybe entering into menopause or something like that could, could trigger it again. But, um, there is, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel. If this is not something you want to be focused on for years and years and years. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, definitely a question that I get all the time. And it was on the list of questions is like, how long does this take to work? And how long do I, do I need to be on it? I was on HCL guard very consistently for, I would say about eight months before I was like, you know what, let me do a pill stop and let me see if I just need this any longer. And it turns out I was just totally fine. If I'm going to eat like a giant steak, if I'm going out to a steakhouse and getting like a cowboy ribeye. And I know I'm probably going to overeat a little bit, overeat protein. You know, I'm like, I will, I'm going to definitely be bringing the HCL guard in my purse and then my enzymes to take as well. Um, so that I just don't feel bad after the meal, I can eat as much steak as I want to, but that's pretty rare that I, I do that. And so I have personally not needed HCL after really consistently using them for a while. But like I said, you know, the pill stop with the enzymes wasn't the same thing. I did notice I just, things were not moving as regularly. Um, I wasn't feeling as energetic. And so I'm like, you know what? I, I just, these are fine. Let me just auto ship them and, <laughs> and just put it in my small little stack of things that I take now. It's not like a huge countertop full of things, you know? Yeah. Again, that, that is a normal progression and, you know, I, I'm all for stopping taking our, our products or anybody's products. Like I don't want, even though I said, I think we, we should maybe reframe things and maybe accept that as we age, we might need to take more pills. I'm not, I don't love that myself, you know? Yeah. And, and I think everybody should pill stop and be testing these things because if you can let your body work the way it's supposed to and auto regulate, it's always going to be better than us kind of thinking that we know what we're doing. Um, because we've, you know, because I don't know, you listen to this show or something else, like yeah. your body's pretty smart. Nature's it always is. smarter than man. It, it, it absolutely. We can't outsmart nature by any means. Um, there's a question in the chat actually. And she is asking, so when you're mineral deficient, it would be beneficial to take HCL as well. Yes. Yes. Because again, um, if you look at how digestion works, um, all of our minerals, like all the really cool stuff that we read about, um, like we need magnesium, even iron, uh, biotin, as I mentioned earlier, all the B vitamins, B12, B6, all these things are, they're, they're bound up inside of the, the, the cell walls and the structures inside of the animal proteins. And so we have to separate that somehow and chewing, no offense to your, your chewing patterns, but chewing doesn't do it. it it's got to take an acid bath. 
the acid basically liberates um, liberates the structures and allows the separation of the minerals out of the cell walls or the or the animal structures, uh, even the animal cell walls, honestly. Um, and so when that happens, you start to free them up to then be absorbed in the small intestine. If that doesn't happen, um, again, the small intestine sort of like behind the eight ball at that point, it's trying to like catch up and it doesn't, it, it doesn't actually have the job or it doesn't have the tools to do the job because when the stomach acid, which is, you know, it's at like a 1.5 or 2 pH, um, that's really acidic. When it dumps into the small intestine, your small intestine actually um, puts bicarbonate in there, which bicarbonate is baking soda, mm -hmm. same, same chemical structure to raise the pH. That's a base and acid. You're raising the pH uh, up to like a seven ish, uh, honestly. And so if acid is what we needed to liberate the minerals, and then the normal structure of the human body is that you raise the baking or you, you add baking soda, basically, and you raise the pH, you can't, like it, you, you miss that window of opportunity to really liberate that stuff. Um, and now the, the pH is much higher and it's going to slowly drop as it goes all the way to the toilet, basically. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, do you think someone can kind of stop hair loss by healing the gut? I mean, we have, you know, not everyone for sure. It's not, yeah. not everyone's going to have this as their number one issue. Remember there's a, there's a raw materials thing. Mm -hmm. It's almost like houses. Like if you want to get some house, like we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get this house remodeled right now and building supplies are one oh, part yeah. of the equation and you can't, you can't get a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the other part of the equation is you need competent workers and the yeah. competent workers are your hormones. They're controlling what they do with the raw materials. And then you have the raw materials. Can you get those? So you, it's, it's both and. And so for some people, they have the workers, they have the contractors ready to go. The, your estrogen and progesterone are ready to go. They just don't have the raw materials. In that case, mm. just healing the gut and getting the nutrients from your food, I mean, typically also improves your hormones as well, but that usually can solve the equation. Um, but for someone who has a raw material problem and a, a worker problem that, that, you know, their progesterone, maybe they're already PCOS, they're yeah. going to need more support. They'll probably see some improvement, but they won't see, you won't go from like, you know, just like clumps coming out to like a full head of hair that you're, you're super excited about. It's going to be very gradual if, if right. that's your, your situation. Got it. Yeah. I think there's, there's some other reasons for hair loss too, um, that don't always have to just, it's not always black and white, but I think that these are some really good places for people to start. I always say minerals, but now I'm going to say gut because you can replace minerals, but if your gut is unable to absorb those minerals, then you're kind of, you know, not, you're wasting your money, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not totally wasting your money because at least the liberal or at least the, the mineral supplement is already liberated. Yeah. Um, so you're not, uh, you're sort of skipping one part of the digestion sequence. So taking a mineral supplement can help. Mm. Um, but then you're, you know, if it's starting to work, you kind of know you're always sort of wasting some of your food every, every time you sit down to eat, which is, I don't know, just counterintuitive, I think, to what you're trying to do there. Um, and as you mentioned, there, there could be thyroid issues for hair loss there. I mean, you could be, yeah having some sort of crazy uh, mold reaction or some sort of toxin heavy metal reaction. Like there is hair because hair is again, um, a sign of sexual health. It's going to be cut off if your body's preoccupied trying to deal with some sort of toxin or maybe some sort of crazy parasite infection, something like that. So if your body's preoccupied and directing its resources in a certain direction to try to heal something that what's what I like to call and what some people call an allopathic load on the body could just stress it out enough that you also lose hair. So it, it is Got a it. multifactorial problem, even though I've painted it as very black and white today. Um, I think it's at least helpful to get started because no matter which of those conditions you have, if you handle your, your hormones and if you handle your gut, um, they're going to get better. Right. You think with um, thyroid, that could be similar too. So there's, I feel like there's so many people that have thyroid issues and then they also have 
gut issues. Do you think those two things really, I know you said you're, you're friends with uh, Dr. Wentz and that's her big thing is Hashimoto's and thyroid. Um, so do you think those two things are really related and kind of play off one another? Oh, I mean, I don't think I know. I mean, it's in the, yeah. it's in the research. It's, um, I think it's like what 30%, or it's roughly 30% of your T4 is converted to T3 in the gut. So, mm. I mean, your thyroid is a, a complex system as well. Uh, but the, just like the gut, uh, can help detoxify and get rid of estro spent estrogens and progesterones and testosterones. If you recirculate those, that's bad. The gut thyroid connection is also very strong. Mm. Um, you need the gut working appropriately to convert T4 to T3. Uh, you need the gut to supply the, the nutrients and the minerals to the thyroid so that it has the right signals to know what to make. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, depending on where you stand on the autoimmune conditions, uh, you know, Dr. Alessio Fasano has done a lot of research and I don't know that it's, I still think it's the, the accepted norm these days that, in order to have an autoimmune condition, you must first have had a leaky gut condition um, such that you cause the body to, to have systemic inflammation and then sort of go after your weak, weak links. And for some people, that's thyroiditis. Mm -hmm. um, other people, that could be rheumatoid arthritis, um, but some sort of itis, which means, you know, basically excessive inflammation. And then the body's immune system goes sideways and starts to attack itself. Yeah. Um, and so... If, if you believe that line of research that the gut must be the contributing factor or starting the domino trend towards an autoimmune condition, then I don't, I don't know how you don't just, I don't know. I guess I'm biased. I see everything through the gut first. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's vital. I think it's really, really vital. Um, someone in the chat wants to know about alopecia, which that's an autoimmune condition. Do you think that is also influenced by gut as well? Yeah. Yeah, I do think it is. Um, now, I don't think that you can, you know, heal alopecia or any of these autoimmune conditions just by um, treating your gut or working your gut. I think it's a it's a systemic problem once yeah. it's reached a autoimmune condition. And so there's going to be multiple layers. And I think hormones are actually one of the misrepresented um, aspects to healing an autoimmune condition. Like, I think they're the hormones are always kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. They're pulling the mm -hmm. strings on your immune system. They're pulling your strings on, on your hair, on your gut. Um, your hormones are sort of almost the, the puppet masters of your immune system. Mm -hmm. And so if you have an autoimmune condition, I would highly recommend you do the, the lab work we talked about earlier uh, just to see what's happening. So you have a baseline and then probably talk with a provider who can help you sort that out. Absolutely. Um, and I've got another question. She wants to know, suppose you cannot take hormones and have no thyroid and have had female pattern balding for a year. Um, do you, and she says she's taking Cytomel and Synthroid um, and she's 70. So is this something where working on her gut, do you think that could be helpful for her in this situation? Yeah, definitely. Because at 70, you have, um, like we said, we have, we have studies on stomach acid showing that your ability to reacidify the gut as well as just keep your gut acidic are, are diminishing quickly. There's also studies on pancreat, pancreat, pancreatic exocrine and insufficiency. I always mess that up, but basically it means that you, <laughs> you lose your pancreat, uh, pancreatic enzyme function such to the point that you have a, a medical condition, which is, you know, for those of us on the show, that's really, really low. You, you know, you're, you've already lost a lot of the function if you actually get to that test level. So at 70, you have a 5% risk of that. So, um, at 80, it's 10%. So who knows what the, what the, the mild version of that is, but it, it's probably in the thirties or forties percent. So I would think that starting in your gut is a really big deal. Um, but also just how she's describing what's happening. I would think that she's got some androgen, uh, dominate, dominant patterns going on there. And then, you know, maybe something like a saw palmetto or stinging nettles, something like that could help her, uh, with, with the DHT. Got it. That's really helpful. Um, you know, just going back to the whole aging thing, I see this have, I don't know about you, but I feel like I see this happening, you know, just with the digestive issues in younger and younger people. Um, do you think that that's really due to poor mitochondrial function or what do you think that people younger and younger are starting to have all these digestive issues are really due to. 
I mean, I, I personally think it's, it's definitely multifactorial and, yeah. you know, it could be the mitochondria. It could be, um, um, just the stress that we put ourselves in, in this environment yeah. that might dysregulate our hormones and the hormones might dysregulate the gut. And then that might dysregulate the mitochondria. Um, you know, there's some really cool work around the cell danger response. So maybe if you're younger and you're living in a, a moldy house or uh, working at a moldy building, maybe you've been infected by Lyme or something like that. You could kind of trigger your body into this uh, protective mechanism that begins to shut it down early. Uh, mm. So there's, I think you're probably more of a mitochondria expert than I am. I, I just think that there's so many possibilities that trying to thin slice it down to one thing or the other, um, usually, I guess, insulting to nature. Yeah. I'm just seeing a lot more people and I didn't put this on the list. So sorry to put you on the spot, but I, no. I've been seeing a lot more people. And then I've had a question in my private group of someone with SIBO and she's just like, I am trying the healthy gut products. I'm trying to do all these things, but the SIBO just isn't, um, it, she just seems to be getting worse. And I know she has a very stressful life, lives in New York city an apartment and, um, has a job in media. So I know that she has a very stressful life and I think that's a big contributor, but um, I'm like, you know, let me ask Steve what he thinks about the SIBO issue, because that's something that a lot of people just really can't get rid of SIBO. Yeah. I mean, if she's already on HCL guard, she's got her ideal dosage. She's kind of taken care of that uh, incoming bacteria, um, killing process that needs to happen for SIBO to go away. So that that's step one. She's already taken care of that. Um, depending on the type of SIBO she has and depending on how she acquired it, if she got it from a uh, infection, then she could have that you can actually have damage to your um, your 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 basically your prokinetic waves in your in your migrating motor complex. And that that's like a nerve level damage depending on the type of gastrointestinal infection she could have had. So if she falls into that group, she may need a prokinetic for like a long time, like many years, mm -hmm. if okay. not longer, um, because you, you have nerve damage at that point. Um, so there's those two things. And then I think people forget that your body doesn't want infections and right. it's going to amount, it's going to go after it with an immune response. And who's the marionette hand, the marionette hand is the hormones. The hormones are going to regulate and drive that immune response. So if she's in a highly stressful position or if she hasn't done the hormone work, I think that is a, that is a huge key that can also be missing in um, SIBO that just won't go away. Got it. So hormones can actually contribute to the SIBO as well then. Yeah, because your hormones end up driving immune function or dysfunction. And so we want everything kind of in, like everybody marching in the same direction. So we want the immune system and the hormones and any supplements you're taking and the diet you're taking to all be in like getting rid of SIBO. We don't want like some cross patterns where people are just following different orders. Mm -hmm. um, and if you lose, for instance, cortisol, cortisol is highly demonized. Yeah. However, in people who have been chronically unwell or chronically sick or chronically stressed, what I find is actually have low cortisol. And if you have low cortisol, you're going to have low immune function. And so you can pretty much guarantee that you'll always be dealing with infections if you have low cortisol, because you can't really mount the correct immune response and then dampening. Cortisol is kind of like helps with the immune response, like gas and break. And so um, there's, you know, some really cool protocols where you actually increase cortisol for people who've been chronically sick. And they can have amazing breakthroughs doing that. Interesting. I'm curious about that. Like what, what would that look like to try to purposefully increase cortisol, like a protocol for that? Um, there is a book and I can't recall it off the top of my head right now, but uh, we can, I can get it for you and you can send it out maybe in the show notes or something like that yeah. or, or in the, but it's basically uh, this doctor, I think the doctor was in Cleveland. He used low dose prescription, um, cortisol replacement therapy in people. Interesting. And so he had 
a lot of people, um, some of them were just aging and they wanted to feel good longer. And some people were chronically sick and he would put them on between five to 15 milligrams of replacement cortisol and sort of like taper it throughout the day. And, you know, this book is just filled with like testimonial after testimonial of this cortisol replacement therapy. Mm -hmm. And based on what we know about people who actually have like hormone dysregulation and, and stuff, you can, you could stay on a protocol like that, almost like you can stay on Synthroid or, or, or like a thyroid medication, like almost mm -hmm. the rest of your life if needed. Um, however, his book and what I would recommend is more about using that as a way to get out of the, the hole that you're in and then bridging off of that onto some other therapies, um, which I've seen work with like DHEA and pregnenolone replacement. So you do like the replacement for six months on the prescription drugs. Then you go to like six to 12 months of DHEA pregnenolone. And then you can usually bridge off of that to back to normal. Interesting. Yeah. I think people just are, and I was like this too, before I really started understanding things, they, want to just see systems as separate. So, um, I'm losing hair, so I'll just take some biotin or, you know, I've got indigestion or gas and bloating. So I'll take an antacid, you know, we just try to treat things system, you know, just as one, instead of looking at things systematically. Yeah. I mean, look, that's how our brains are wired. Our brains are yeah. wired to find like a threat and then focus on that threat. And yeah. they're not really wired for like peripheral vision all the time and like all this incoming, you know, systems theory. Like you, I, I would never have this perspective if I didn't have five years of, of electrical engineering brainwashing. Like it literally <laughs> took like five years of, you know, plus some work time of like just brainwashing your brain to see the world in a different perspective mm. and see it as a system of systems. Um, and the other thing is like, if you don't, want health to be a focus in your life, which I don't blame you if you don't want it. Like you may have uh, family or spiritual or work goals that are above your health and you don't really want to focus on it. You just want your body to work when you want it to work. I understand that. Like uh, I, I could say there's a part of me that definitely wants that. Um, but if, if you're like starting to see this as a system of systems, you start to recognize that like health is probably going to have to be your number one value and your number one concern. And you can't just take a pill and assume that there's no unintended consequences from it and just, mm -hmm. you know, go back to your daily life. You're going to have to start to see that like your body's responding to the environment. It's responding to your relationships. Mm -hmm. It's responding to essentially everything you're doing. And so I do think there's a, you know, there's an end of the tunnel where you, you can get back into alignment with life and light. You know, you talk about light a lot. It's always yep. your body's responding to light a lot. Um, but I do think that um, it's really magical thinking to think that any one surgery or one drug or even one supplement is right. like going to be the answer. That's super magical, like Disney fairy thinking. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's why I've tried to start mm -hmm. teaching more lifestyle. And like, you know, I did a webinar in January just about building your perfect quantum day and how to strongly set your circadian rhythm and just how to go about your day in an easy way. So it's not like, you know, takes up all of your time, but just little hacks that people can do so that they start to create this lifestyle. Um, because our body is constantly responding to the information that we give it. And part of me wonders if, you know, all the stuff I've done with light and just grounding and red light therapy has also contributed to, you know, I don't really need HCL anymore. I'm still using the enzymes, but my gut is just, and I can eat, like we talked about on the last live stream, I can eat cheese, like all the cheese that I want and it doesn't bother me at all. And before it's like, I eat a little cheese and all of a sudden my hand has eczema on it. So yeah, I think that we have to look at our whole life and not just a supplement, um, to try to fix things. Yeah. And there's really good data. I mean, it's not really good, but it's emerging data showing that circadian rhythms are highly important for gut function. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I, I have no doubt that you living a quantum day and being in alignment with your light environment is allowing you to use less supplements, less gut health supplements, all that stuff. And I am all for that. Seriously, yeah. all for that. Yeah. 
yeah, some people don't want to do that. So <laughs> we have other things they can use if they, if they don't want to. Um, let's see what else do we have on our list. I feel like we've gone through a lot of these questions because a, a, one thing has kind of led to the other. Um, cause I had on here what's needed for complete protein digestion, but I feel like you explained that pretty well earlier, the stomach acid and then the correct enzymes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are the two biggest things for, for protein digestion, or, I mean, I guess there's three big things. There's stomach acid, there's pepsin, which is the, the proteolytic enzyme in the stomach. And then there's, um, pancreatin, uh, uh, protease basically coming out of your pancreas. That's the third step in protein digestion. So if you have all three of those, which that's why I built HCL guard and holozymes to replicate that process, um, you should have as complete a protein digestion as you can get. Um, I mean, another, th another test that people could do, and I do think this actually works really well. Um, and I'm just kind of like, you know, going riffing at this point, since we've kind of covered our yeah. outline, but <laughs> I've actually seen for, for people who are struggling, um, including the woman, uh, who's asking some of the questions here. Uh, I've actually seen, I don't know if you've seen this, but using five to 10 grams of amino acid tablets a day mm. can really help individuals who've had uh, protein loss in the past or are just kind of in that fight or flight state of trying to get out of chronic uh, health issues. Uh, I like the ones that are not just the BCAAs, but the essential amino acids that have like, you know, nine or 10 or 11 of the amino acids we need. But five to 10 grams of that I've seen work pretty well for people who are struggling with energy, hair, just the general fatigue of being sick as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that can also be really helpful. She, she wanted to know besides saw palmetto, what was the second thing that you had said to try beta? I couldn't, I can't read it. I will totally butcher it. Um, stinging nettle. Stinging but nettle. Think, Got it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So if you're still listening, that's the, that's the answer to that one. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, can you think of anything else that would be related to, to hair loss? It's just, I put up a post on Instagram yesterday about hair loss and I actually was surprised at how many direct messages I got and how many people commenting that we're really experiencing this problem. And I'm like, this is a, a page where I'm really promoting eating a lot of protein, eating a lot of meat. So it was really surprising to me how um, common this issue is, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's really common and, and it's a private, you know, it's a private issue. Um, and yep. so, you know, I can't say that everybody needs HCL guard and B10 HCL, that's not true. That's why we have the, you know, the, the HCL challenge. That's why we have our health coaches to help you figure out if you actually need it. Yeah. Um, but I can tell you that like, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30% of our, of our customers do comment on, wow, you, you, you said my hair could get shinier or thicker or come back. And I didn't really believe you. I was taking this for my gut health and it actually worked. And so I think for the carnivore group, um, being that you're so meat dominant and so mm -hmm. protein heavy, hopefully you don't have a raw materials issue, but if yep. you have any digestive upset, then you probably have a raw material amino acid issue as well, because that I see, I don't know what you see, but I see a lot of people commenting about either having constaria or diarrhea on carnivore. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I had the loose stools when I first started, but then um, back then even I got some HCL and that pretty much stopped it right away. Um, so that was an easy fix for me when I first started carnivore to help with the adaptation of the loose stools. But yeah, that's, I think you're right. People either get constipated or they go the opposite way when they just go on, you know, more of a carnivore diet for sure. Well, I, I was actually saying constaria, which is, I don't think I coined this term, but it's like, I was, there's a couple of people I'm interacting with in our Facebook group where they're on carnivore and they're going like every fourth or fifth day oh, yeah, that's going not good. with loose stools. So they're like Ooh. constipated because they're not going enough. But then when they do go, it's, it's like loose intense stools. loose tools. Wow. Um, okay. And that's, that's, that's pretty common. And either, in either case, what that is showing you is that you're malabsorbing your nutrients in loose stools. You cannot get like everything is literally moving too fast through the pipes. Mm -hmm. You're not grabbing the nutrients from your food. 
So that's where, if you fall into that group, I think HCL garden and enzymes are going to be really helpful. Got it. Um, but as we mentioned in this, you know, in the show, it might not just be amino acids. It could be zinc. Uh, yeah, I was going to be... get to that is the, the minerals. And someone wanted to know if iodine deficiency could be related to hair loss also. Yeah, I think if, if you have a massive mal, uh, malnutrition in any vitamin or mineral, mm -hmm. th your body is going to shunt production of that over to, like, say, replacing a heart cell or yeah. healing a brain cell or an eye cell. Like, you're not going to get hair follicle stimulation and growth of, of hair if you only ha like if iodine is a limiting factor then of course iodine could contribute to it do i think iodine's like often the limiting factor for most people's hair hair problems no mm -mm. but it could be yeah. for some people yeah yeah iodine i think causes other issues if you're deficient in iodine besides hair loss um but i you know one thing that i i'll just interject with carnivore is that i've started doing some salmon row i just make sure i get my seafood in there cuz that is the one thing you're not really getting a lot of on a carnivore diet and i've seen a lot of people say we got to supplement with it i'm like just eat some seafood <laughs> and that usually will help with that that issue with the deficiency um there's one a question and i know we've talked about this in other live streams but since she's here and you're here um she wants to know is bloating a thing um, as I'm bloated on carnivore after six weeks, I'd love if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your perspective, but, um, but that's, I mean, people don't come to healthy gut unless they have a gut problem. So like, I, I guess I see like a, the subset of carnivore people with bloating, so you're not yeah. alone. Um, but Sarah probably sees a lot of other people that are not just that subset of gut upset. Um, but you know, bloating is typically related to fermentation. Like you have too much gas. Like again, mm -hmm. if we zoo, I always like to go to the highest context and then break it down because without that context, we are, we tend to gravitate towards, Oh, it's just zinc or it's just iodine or whatever. Yep. But bloating is essentially like excess gas. So the question yep. is how would you be making that gas on carnivore? Um, you're fermenting, you know, you're, you're, you're probably fermenting your, your meats a little bit. And so I would definitely focus in on stomach acid first yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. That's where I was going to go as a stomach acid. Cause that that's one thing that I think a lot of people, they have that. Cause like you said, after you get over the age of 35, we just naturally make less and less of it. So I think a lot of people trying carnivore are in that age group. And then there's a lot of people that just say you don't need any supplements or anything when you are on carnivore. And I think you can might, be able to get to that point eventually after years and years of it. But while you're adapting, most of us are just not used to eating protein. I mean, I was vegetarian or vegan plant-based for a really long time. And so when you do diets like that, it makes it even harder for your body to make stomach acid because you're just not naturally producing it because the food that you're eating is not asking you to produce it. Right? Yes. And even more so your pancreatic enzyme function needs time oh, yeah. to ramp up. And so that's even more of an issue. I find, um, the stomach definitely needs time to like, basically, you know, rev up the engines and build up its acid production, but yeah. the pancreatic enzymes, especially lipase, um, and protease, they can really struggle when people make the switch to either a keto diet or a carnivore diet, because you're maybe you're, tripling or quadrupling or even more the the normal fat content or the normal protein content that you and by normal i just mean what you what you're been used eating to in the past yeah. yeah and the pancreas is like hey hold on i didn't sign yeah. up for this just because you decided on monday that you were going to eat carnivore or keto no one gave the pancreas a memo saying hey on monday i need you to you know quadruple production so it needs time to, <laughs> to basically get used to that and build more more enzymes up yeah. And I think people that have been on that type of a diet for a really long time, because I just interviewed someone this morning that's been eating basically a carnivore diet for like most of their life. I'm like, yeah, but your body has just really built up this adaptation. Because like you said, in the very beginning, our bodies are always trying to heal. Our bodies are always trying to find homeostasis. And so I think you do adapt after a long period of time, because I don't eat carbohydrates, you know, but a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, without carbohydrates, I feel stressed. I feel like I can't 
have no energy. I'm like, yeah, cause you're not adapted to it. Once you adapt your, your body is always trying to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Your body, your body is, is extremely efficient. Nature's extremely efficient. That's, you know, it does not leave, uh, excess stuff out there. Like it's amazing. We do have hair and yeah. skin and nails, you know, honestly, it's just so good at recycling things that are no longer serving the like living basically. Um, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think we got to all the questions and, um, you know, you guys that are watching all the stuff that we talked about is linked in the information section and there's coupon codes, which are really, really good deal. I know I have some people that just have been emailing me the last week, like, when are you going to have the codes again? <laughs> so those are all in the information section. If you guys are wanting that. And like I've mentioned a couple times, the thing I love about Steve and these products is like, if you get them and they don't work for you, you can actually send them back and um, get a refund. So I think I've never worked with another company that does that for people. So I think that that's is helpful. If people are like, I don't know if these things are right for me. I don't know if this is really my issue, then, you know, give it a try. And if it's not, then you can send it back. Right. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Look, I, I'm trying to build a company of full of the best products in the world for, for their categories that I want to take that I can, recommend to my family and my friends. And then I wanted to build it with the support level that I always wished I had when I was healing, which is, you know, transparency from the company, what's actually in this stuff, but also like tips and tricks. Like it, once you become a practitioner or a coach, you start to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of reactions to the same products. You start to notice patterns and those patterns, one pill, one way or one, you know, like two pills or four pills, could be the difference between a product working or not working for you and your body. Yeah. And so I wanted to provide that level of support. And I've also just seen that number one, money can be one of the biggest limiting factors to finishing your healing process or making progress in healing. And I don't want to be in that. I don't want to keep your money if it's not helping you heal, but, uh, but also like you just need to get that support. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of the, I don't know, like sort of a Zappos <laughs> supplements yeah. company, if you will. Um, yeah. we'd like to be there. We'd like to have a relationship with you. If it doesn't work for you for whatever reason, maybe you just don't need it or it's not right for you right now. We'd like to give you your money back. Yeah. And the, the group that you guys have with the dosing instructions, I found that to be super, super helpful and just trying to figure out like exactly how much of each thing that I needed. And so I think that that layer of support is, is also really helpful because usually you just get a bottle and it's like, take this, boom, you're done. But there's a lot of nuance and a lot of hard work you guys have put into supporting people in the process. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you're you. Welcome. That's, that's our goal. And I found that book, it's called safe uses of cortisol by ah, William okay. Jeffries. So cool. closing, closing the last loop here, um, <laughs> safe uses of cortisol by William Jeffries. If you're into what happens if you have low cortisol and what can you do to get out of that hole? Um, awesome. but yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on Sarah. And we, you know, I hope that we've put together the products and the support that you need to, to at least test these theories, you know, test the yeah. theory that you might have a, a low stomach acid or a low enzyme problem. Awesome. And if you guys have questions, feel free to comment. Um, if you're watching the replay, I try to check all the comments and be as responsive as I possibly can. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for watching. Thanks for being here today, Steve. Thank you, Sarah. All right. Bye, guys. See you, everyone. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode with my friend and returning guest, Steve Wright. Make sure you check out the show notes if you are interested in any of the products that we talked about. As we mentioned, those all have a money back guarantee. So if for any reason they don't work for you, you can send them back. That is one of the reasons I continue to take the products myself, but use them and endorse them because I want to make sure that people aren't buying things and using things that aren't gonna work for them. I want people to save money and look for alternative ways to continue to heal themselves. So if this episode was helpful to you, please do share it, text it to a couple friends, send it to anyone who might be experiencing issues with hair loss, and hopefully this will help them. Next week on the podcast, I have a two-part interview. We ended up talking for two hours with Dr. Anthony Chafee, and it was a really fun chat. 
I hope that you guys are really going to enjoy it. Part one will be out this Wednesday if you're, if you're listening to this live on February 20th. So stay tuned. Make sure you're subscribed. Again, head on over to Apple. Leave me up to that five-star review. It helps to get this podcast out to more people. And I would appreciate your support. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And I will talk with you again soon. Bye.